Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. Be sure to subscribe to us and give us a couple likes and some feedback on there, too. Paul and I are doing what we do every offseason, and this is one of my favorite shows of the year as we lead up to training camp because you know it's close. We're predicting the Dolphins' 53-man roster as it stands today. Who are the locks? Who are the probables? Who are the ones that just make it? Who are the ones who just miss? So here are the rules of how we do this, because we've had some prep work beforehand. Paul and I each separately come up with a list of our locks to make the Dolphins' 53-man roster. With no predicted trades or injuries, we create a master list, and then from that point, we'll go position by position, what are our locks and what are our predictions for the rest of that position to make the 53-man roster? So, Paul, let's kick it off at the quarterback spot. It's quite obvious who the lock is here. It is Ryan Tannehill. It should be, it's, it's the only lock that we have pre- predicted. Then you have a three-man competition between David Fales, Brock Osweiler, and Bryce Petty. I'm pretty sure I know who you've got winning that backup spot, but let me hear it from you. You know, I was tempted to potentially lean towards Osweiler, even though he's been just an absolute cesspool through most of his career. I mean, he has had some salvageable moments, but I just really, as you know, as our listeners know, like the upside of David Fales. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a future pro bowler, but as far as a player that came in and showed that he's got potential last year, hell yeah. Bryce Petty's just a walking train wreck. He, I just imagine him in practice seeing Cameron Wake out on the field and cringing after that, you know, high-low hit that he had with him and Sue the other year. But for me, it's 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 a lock that that fails should be the backup. I'm I'm glad I had myself muted there because I actually had a picture of Brock Osweiler on my computer, and then you said cesspool, and I was looking right at him when he said that, and I just started. Crack it up. Uh, I, too, have David Fales as the second quarterback. 
making the roster. He has been throughout the OTAs. Has, has it looks like he is the second quarterback. He he's been very impressive. Uh, that's what the word out of camp has been from Barry Jackson. And when you look at last year, he was 29 for 43, 265 yards, a touchdown and interception. Almost led a comeback in the final game that put the Bills out of the playoffs. Uh, obviously, Adam Gase is a little bit comfortable with him because he he was the backup for the Bears when Gase was in Chicago for at least half the season. So I do see Fails making the roster. If Osweiler is cut, only 720000 of his money was guaranteed, so not a whole lot, especially if, if Fails beat, beats him out convincingly. At the running back spot, our locks are running back Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, Kalen Balage, and then it'll be questionable of whether or not Anybody else joins the the Dolphins as that fourth running back. I do have the Dolphins keeping four, and I have Sonoris Perry as that fourth guy. He made the roster last year, had eight carries for 30 yards, but mostly made the roster on special teams. And I think that's important here because Kenya Drake's going to be getting the majority of the touches, but Frank Gore is not a special teamer, and Kalen Balaj could be a special teamer. That'll be worth taking a look at in training camp, but it's quite possible that he's not able to to undertake that as well. That's why I have Sonoris Perry making the roster as the fourth running back. Paul, do you have the Dolphins keeping three or four running backs here? Well, this is boring as hell so far. I've got four running backs. My three locks are Drake, Gore, and Balaj, and I know I described to you the way I broke out my list. I've got kind of four categories. In the locks, there's the should-makes, and then there's both sides of those bubble players there, the ones that are sitting there right at the bottom edge of the roster. And I've got Perry as a bubble make. Could easily be one of these young kids if they if they stand out and press. But for right now, I'm right there with you on Perry. Moving along to the wide receivers, the locks we have are Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant. What I really like about this unit, you have a strong front five, you have players that can play the perimeter, You can they can play the slot, and in Jakeem Grant's case, play special teams as well. Leaves the Dolphins in a really good situation at wide receiver. They, they're they going to bring 11 receivers to camp. After the five locks, you've got Isaiah Ford, Leontay Carew, who's been a huge disappointment, Rashawn Scott, Drew Morgan, Malcolm Lewis, and Francis Owusu, who was with the team last year before getting cut in August. So... One of the more interesting battles is going to be Isaiah Ford and Leontay Carew. So, Paul, do you have a wide receiver after those front five making it here? I wound up with a total of six here. I mean, I had the front five. Unfortunately, I had Leontay Carew finally missing the roster after scraping his way barely onto it the last couple of years. I, I kept Isaiah Ford as a bubble player. I just I know he's a guy that you and I were both really high on. And I want to see what he can do. I like the upside. Carew, I'm tired of. Yeah, and if I were to be able to keep 54 or 55 players, I probably would have had Isaiah Ford making it. I have the Dolphins keeping five. What will be interesting to see in training camp is, can Isaiah Ford show the potential that will eventually put heat on Devontae Parker? And here's why, because a big reason these big-time college receivers fall in the draft and end up falling through the cracks is because – they 
aren't the physical marvels to play out in the perimeter. They're not big enough to play in inside, and also they're not able to play special teams too. And to my understanding, Ford didn't play special teams at Virginia Tech, and he's coming off an injury. So if he can show that perimeter ability that at one time made him a projected first or second round pick at Virginia Tech, that I think he could make the roster. But as of right now, he's one of the last players I have getting cut. At tight end, we know two that are going to make it, second and fourth round picks, Mike Gusecki and Durham Smythe. It sets up an interesting battle between four players who have who have dressed for games in the NFL. Marquise Gray, A.J. Derby, Gavin Escobar, and Thomas Duarte. Duarte seems to be like uh, Jordan Lucas, that guy that just keeps hanging on every single year. I do have the Dolphins keeping Marquise Gray as the third tight end. I think he's got some versatility to him. He can block at a reasonably high level. And a player that we keep talking about is uh, that we wish would get on the field a little bit more. But the team has talked up A.J. Derby a lot, too. Gavin Escobar is a former second-round pick of the Cowboys. He's bounced around the league a little bit. And Duarte just keeps hanging on. Paul, who do you have as your third or possibly fourth tight end? Dude, this is getting really boring. We need to start having some disagreements here. Uh, I've got Gray as a should-make. I just, you know, all the reasons you have. I I really like our tight ends this year. I really like the two rookies. And you know I've been a fan of what I saw to Duarte as a receiver coming out of college, but – he just hasn't been able to crack that that mold. I'm not as sold on A.J. Derby as some folks, but, hey, I'm always down for a player to prove me wrong when I think they're not that good. So, yeah, for me, I'd just like to see Gray get a little bit more of a role, but he's going to have to fight for it this year as opposed to having the crap in front of him that he's had in the past. You bet. And one thing I didn't mention at the beginning of the show, too, is Paul and I also have another stipulation where on this roster we have to predict at least one player to make – one undrafted free agent to make the final 53. And if that seems like, oh, no, I I don't see how that's going to happen. The Dolphins signed 13 undrafted free agents last year, seven of them dressed for a game. We're not going to see that this year, but man, oh, man, it's rare if any team in the league doesn't have at least a couple of undrafted free agents. So it doesn't surprise me we're kind of on the same page here with the, the quarterbacks through tight ends. That's a little bit more predictable. I think this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. On the offensive line, uh, we have six locks. Laramie Tunzel, Josh Sitton, Dan Kilgore, Jesse Davis, Juwan James, and Ted Larson. I was very close to having Sam Young as that seventh, simply because he's been around the league. He started seven games over the last two years for the Dolphins. I have him as my seventh offensive lineman making the roster. Rounding out and giving the Dolphins a total of nine, I've got Jake Brendel on there, who I know we're both a little more high on than other people. He started 30. He actually, When he got into the Falcons game last year, played 37 snaps in place of Mike Pouncey, and we really thought – after the game, that Brendel played better. Uh, and the final guy is Eric Smith, who I thought really looked the part last year before and go, before going down with an injury. Paul, who rounds out the rest of the offensive linemen for you after the first six? So I've actually got 10 total along the offensive line. You know, as, as you mentioned, we've got James Davis, Kilgore, Sitton, Tunsil, and Larson as locks. I kept Brendel and Smith. Actually, no, I've got nine. I take that back. So Brendel and Smith, as as we talked about. And then I don't have Young or Asiata making the team. I think they're going to be just on the border. I, I really like Sam Young as a person. I think he's done some admirable things for this team. 
but I just think he's an average player who's been floating on the cusp for a little while now, and, and, and this is the year that, that they move on from him. Asiata just never did anything to stand out last year, and I think he gets beat out by some of these young kids. So for me, I think, and, and this is an either-or for me, depending on which flavor the Dolphins want to go for, I've tossed it back and forth between Steinmetz and Sterup, the two monsters that they brought in that they know are developmental players, but they're absolute monsters. It's what, 6'8 and 6'9, I believe? And I think in the end, they end up going with Steinmetz just because he looked a little bit better from what I've seen. But I think they go with one of those two guys and manage to stash the other on the practice squad potentially. Good. So that that's kind of our first curveball here. And uh, an undrafted free agent, Steinmetz is. And uh, I'm glad you didn't say Stirrup because Stirrup uh, played in the final game of the year, started actually against the Bills and was just absolutely awful. Steinmetz, yeah, six foot eight, three hundred and twenty-one pounds, can play tackle and guard, an undrafted free agent out of Purdue. And sometimes you'd like to stash one of those guys in the bottom of your roster, hope that they develop uh, behind the the talent that's starting. Go moving along to the defensive side of the ball, I think we're gonna have more disagreements here, but maybe not specifically with uh with defensive line. So looking at the locks, we've got eight that are that are really in place. Uh, at defensive end, you've got Cameron Wake, Robert Quinn, Charles Harris, Andre Branch, and William Hayes. And Hayes can play D-end or D-tackle. That's part of the reason why they brought him back. At D-tackle, you've got Jordan Phillips, Akeem Spence, and Davin Gotcha uh, for those eight. Paul, how does the rest of the unit round out for you there? Yeah, for me, it, it, it's funny. Like, I had Branch, and, and I know he's a guy, as you pointed out with the $10 million, that we do expect to be on this roster. And I know we've talked about previous episodes, the fact that he supposedly had a knee injury this, this past season that was undisclosed. So I'm really hoping he can regain the form he had the previous year. I've still got him as a bubble player making the team. Maybe they trade him, maybe they don't. They do have a hell of a lot of depth at defensive end. But the other one that I have here that that was a little bit of a surprise for me too, is I've got the Dolphins keeping four defensive tackles, not counting Hayes. And instead of Vincent Taylor for that fourth spot, I actually went with Moat. He's just a guy that when I watched tape on him, I was really impressed by it. And while I liked Vincent Taylor last year in the little bit of a role that he got, he just never seemed to seize the opportunity to get a little bit more playing time. And, and yeah, that's you need to do that as a young player, and it doesn't cost the Dolphins anything to to start poking Moten with a stick and see what they get out of him. Maybe he can be this year's version of Davin Gatchow. Paul, do you have a do you have Malvo making the roster, or does he get cut on your list? I really wanted him to make the roster. I, I really really like that kid, but for me, they're just too damn deep at defensive end. The only way that they end up keeping Malvo for me is potentially if they're able to make a trade involving, say, Andre Bryant. Yeah, I've got Melvo. I've got, after the top eight that we have, I've got Melvo making the roster, and I've got Vincent Taylor. So overall, I'm going with a total of 10 defensive linemen for the Dolphins. And because the Dolphins on offense can legitimately keep two quarterbacks, three running backs, I've got them keeping four, and so do you, and five wide receivers and three tight ends, because of that, it gives them the flexibility to keep and stash more young players on the roster. And that's why I have both Malvo and Taylor making it. I think it'd be a shame 
if the Dolphins bled it out with Andre Branch for one more year, which they're probably going to, like you said, because he's going to make $10 million regardless, and end up cutting Malvo. Because I thought he looked very good in preseason last year. I was disappointed when they cut him. Then they got him back on the roster for the final four games. He played over 100 snaps, and Pro Football Focus actually gave him a positive grade. And in the final game against the Bills, he had a sack and a half. So uh, I would like to keep him there. He's 6'5", 280 pounds. I think there's a lot of upside there. And looking at the rest of the roster, we've both got Gabe Wright being cut, who was on the roster for the the last couple games. Uh, Former seventh-round pick of the Jaguars, Jonathan Woodard. Uh, Jameis Pittman, the defensive tackle, more of a pass rusher type. You've got Moten making it. I was close to having Pittman as my undrafted free agent guy, uh, but I, I ended up chopping him off there too. And then rounding out the, the undrafted free agent class, you've got Quincy Redman and Claudie Mathout. Moving along to the linebacker spot, this this gets fascinating because I had two players listed as locks that I ended up actually taking off. And so the locks that we have, we've only got three locks at the linebacker spot. We've got Raekwon McMillan, Kiko Alonso, unfortunately, because he's, again, like Andre Branch, the Dolphins can't cut him this year because he's due so much money. And third-round pick from Ohio State, Jerome Baker. Those are the three locks. Stephon Anthony and Chase Allen, I had very close to, to having locks, too. I think it, they'd have to do a lot wrong in August in order to get cut. I do have them making the roster as the fourth and fifth linebacker. They bring a little bit of speed. Uh, Stephon Anthony showed a lot of flashes, and he's a former first-round pick of the Saints. Chase Allen can play special teams. He started four games last year and started to look better each and every week. Then the Dolphins could just keep five linebackers, but I do have them keeping Mike Hall as the sixth linebacker. He's a big favorite of Darren Rizzi, but he's going to face a lot of competition in camp for his job with Terrence Garvin coming over from Seattle, who has special teams and starting experience, as well as seventh-round pick from Ohio, Quentin Poling. So, Paul, I've got McMillan, Alonzo Baker, Stephon Anthony, Chase Allen, and Mike Hall as the Dolphins' six linebackers. So I just want to comment real quick on Quentin Poling because I know I said a little bit of this during our draft coverage, but the more tape I watch him, the more I'm convinced that I know exactly what his NFL comparison is. Quentin Poling is a poor man's Mike Hall. So for me, I can't, there's no way I can have him beat out Mike Hall here. No, it's, it's Mike Hall's a guy that, as you know, as any of our listeners for the past few years know, I was a big fan of the Mike Hall, Neville Hewitt, Zach Vigil group of linebackers. I was ecstatic when Miami managed to get the three of them as undrafted free agents. And it, it's absolutely heartbreaking for me to say this because of the Minka Fitzpatrick selection in the draft, because of the fact that I don't care what Gase is saying publicly right now, we all expect TJ McDonald to get a few more looks up in the box. I've only got Miami keeping five linebackers. The upside is the phone Anthony and the rising talent of Chase Allen unfortunately made Mike Hall one of the final roster cuts in my mind. So for me, I went five linebackers and Mike Hall just missed the team, even though I don't care if he's a favorite of Darren Rizzi, he's a favorite of me to watch. So 
it's very sad for me to say that, but I can't put him over Chase Allen. I can't put him over Stephon Anthony. And and so it's unfortunately time for him to head out. Jumping to the cornerback spot, the Dolphins typically keep five or six uh, cornerbacks every year. It's a definitely a young group. They're welcoming back Tony Lippett, who had four interceptions in 2016. A very strong front four, our top four at the cornerback spot, Xavier Howard, Cordrea Tankersley, Bobby McCain, Tony Lippett, four players who are under 26 years old. I have We have them as the four locks at cornerback to make it. Rounding out the rest of the unit, Cornell Armstrong, I'd be very, very surprised. I think both of us would be very disappointed if he didn't make the team. Rarely does a sixth-round pick just get outright cut, if you want to know some history on that. The, last, the Dolphins have only drafted a, a player in the sixth round twice over the last 10 years and cut them before the start of their rookie year. That was B.J. Cunningham in 2012 and Jalen Parmalee in 2008. So very good odd that Cornell Armstrong makes the roster. I have him as the Dolphins' fifth cornerback here. The sixth one is going to be my undrafted free agent. That's going to be Jalen Davis out of Utah State. The Dolphins only gave signing bonuses to two undrafted free agents. One of them was Mike McCray, the linebacker out of Michigan, who didn't get drafted. The other one was Jalen Davis from Utah State, 5'9", 180 pounds. If they keep six cornerbacks here, they've got three with some size in Howard, Tankersley, and Lippitt, and then they've got more three that fit more in the slot in McCain, Armstrong, and Davis. Uh, I have, it shows how deep the cornerback spot is. I have Jordan Lucas and Torrey McTire getting cut. So, Paul, we've got our four locks and Howard, Tankersley, McCain, and Lippitt. How do the rush shape out for you? I'm pretty close to where you're at. I've got the Dolphins actually keeping seven corners here. And as you know, as our listeners know, I think Cornell Armstrong is going to surprise a lot of people and make a push to potentially steal that nickel or dime corner spot and give the Dolphins a good problem to have. It's I'm that high on that kid. And I'm glad you mentioned Jalen Davis. It, it's, it surprised me a little bit when I found finished my 53-man roster that I had three undrafted free agents on there. But I do. It, it, between Moten, Steinmetz, and now Jalen Davis, I've got him on there. I had the Dolphins keep McTire. Jordan Lucas, who who you jettisoned, I also jettisoned as well. But I, I think you can never have enough solid corners. And given their youth they have at the position, I mean, Tony Lippett's the old man here. Having the extra body at that position is a good thing it, it, and a necessary thing because these guys are so young. You don't have that veteran presence. Um, so, so having that extra body could be a, a boon as they go down the stretch. Well said. And McTire's another player. If I had one or two extra roster spots, I probably would have put McTire on there too. He showed a lot of potential last year after being an undrafted free agent out of out of UNLV. Did get into action in the final couple of games and at least held his own, and he looked very good in preseason too. So if the Dolphins do end up cutting him, I hope he, they can make it back on the practice squad. So the safety position, I have a feeling we're going to be on the same page with. We did count Minka as a safety. So we've got Rashad Jones, TJ McDonald, Minka Fitzpatrick. Well, we have those three guys as the locks. And then uh, just below that, we've got Walt Aikens as a special teamer. I'd be shocked if he if he ends up getting cut. Darren Rizzi, also a big fan of his. And they re-signed him in the offseason, two years, $2.7 million. 
And finally, I have them keeping a fifth defensive back, and that's Maurice Smith, who was an undrafted free agent out of Georgia last year. Paul, do you also have them keeping five DB or five safeties? I should say. I do, and and for me, Minka is is a safety. He's going to be starting alongside Rashad Jones at the beginning of the year here. And as we talked about before, T.J. McDonald was part of why. Mike Hull became expendable for me, but the other half of why Mike Hull became expendable for me was the fact that given the contract this offseason, given his prowess on special teams, the Dolphins keep going back and forth as whether he's a safety or a corner. For me, he's neither. Walt Aikens was a big part of what makes Mike Hull expendable. It's Aikens, as bad as he is, and every other facet of the game is as good as he is on special teams. I mean, we were joking about this off the air. I almost wanted to lump Aikens in with John Denny for special teams, who, by the way, makes the team for me. I, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on that because we do it every year. Uh, but, yeah, I've got I've got the Dolphins keeping five DBs. No, no secret on the locks. No secret on Mo Smith for anybody that's watched him play. And Walt Aikens gets loosely listed as a safety for me here. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And you've got them keeping 12 defensive backs. I've got them keeping 11. And I'm – comfortable with that number for a couple of reasons number one you know the Dolphins keep at least 10 defensive backs every year and I'm tired at the end of the year of seeing R.J. Stanford and Bakari Rambo types playing against the Steelers and the Patriots so yeah I like you up 12 I've got 11 funny that we both have Jalen Davis an undrafted free agent making the team that'll be interesting to watch we both have Jordan Lucas being cut uh, sixth-round pick in the, in the 2016 draft, who, who has started to show some ability. But that's going to be an interesting competition in, in camp between Jordan Lucas, Torrey McTire, Maurice Smith, Cornell Armstrong. You've got a lot of uh, pretty talented young players there, and it's likely only two or three of them are going to end up getting those spots. Yeah, moving along to special teams, pretty clear Matt Hawk's going to be the punter. He's the only punter in camp, so that's a pretty good indication. At kicker, Jason Sanders definitely has the lead over Greg Joseph heading into August. The Dolphins drafted him, and on the final day that everybody was together, Sanders was 7-for-7 on field goals with a long of 56, and Joseph struggled pretty badly that day. John Denny will be the interesting one to watch, even though we both do have him making the team. The Dolphins don't always sign a long snapper as an undrafted free agent. They did this year in TCU's Lucas Grayville. And Denny is almost old enough to be his father. I mean, Grayville is, uh, I believe, 22 years old. John Denny will be 40 this December, on December 13th. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if the Dolphins say, hey, look, if Grayville's close to Denny, do we just get it over with and cut Denny this year and make Grayville our guy? Because, you know, this is a player in Grayville who almost got drafted because he was one of the best long snappers in college football. So, Paul, is uh, are we on the same page there with special teams? Anything else you want to add on to that? Yeah, the Dolphins pretty much have to keep John Denny because I just had the utterly horrifying realization that if the Dolphins were to go out and cut John Denny, on a personal level, I would get very upset, not just because John Denny was gone, but because if John Denny gets cut, I will officially be older than everyone on the Dolphins roster. <laughs> and that's a surprising new feeling for me. Miami, if you're listening, not only do you need to keep John Denny based upon ability, you've got to keep him a little bit based upon my own personal ego and the fact that he's the only player on the team that's barely older than me at this point. 
Christ, I feel like Brian Miller in this moment. Uh, I still, I still have uh, Cameron Wake and Frank Gore, who are still a little bit older than me. So I've got that going for me. So I probably won't be as crushed. But yeah, Denny is that that'll that'll be a hell of a, a hell of a jersey for somebody to get. If if I'm the one who gets it, then Denny will probably end up falling down the steps or something. So uh, and I say, we, Jesus, we, don't you get his jersey? <laughs> <laughs> so Paul, let's take a look at our 53-man roster. I've been keeping notes here, and, and we didn't talk about this beforehand, but we agree on 48 of the 53 players here as we stand today. Again, we're not predicting trades. We're not predicting this. We're not predicting that. I mean, I think it's quite possible that the Dolphins take a look at, say, a Kai Forbath from the Vikings, who kicked pretty well last year, but they drafted a kicker and Dan Carlson in the fifth round. It would be the same kind of pickup as – a Cody Parkey last year who the Dolphins lost this offseason. But for argument's sake, Paul and I only have four disagreements on the roster. You have, Paul, let's take a look here. At wide receiver, you've got making the Simon, roster. Moten. You've got Isaiah Ford. At wide receiver, you've got Isaiah Ford. Guard, David Steinmetz, the undrafted free agent. Defensive tackle, Anthony Moten out of Miami, the undrafted free agent and cornerback Tory McTire. I've got offensive tackle Sam Young, defensive end Cameron Melvoe, defensive tackle Vincent Taylor, and linebacker Mike Hall. So there's, those are our four disagreements right there. But it's interesting seeing how all of this shaped out. Uh, anything else you want to add, Paul, before we sign off? No, I, I just – this is one of my favorite shows to do every year. And, by the way, for those listening out there, make sure you leave a like and subscribe. Give us a comment. Let us know where you agree or disagree with us, whether it's one of us or both. And make sure you check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. You bet. And you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. Paul and I are really going to crank up the gears here in the upcoming weeks and uh, the upcoming months, really, throughout the, the you know, from now to the end of the 2019 NFL draft, we will be here with all your Miami Dolphins news. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fence side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Catton.